Merry Christmas. It really is the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? And it's not because of reindeer that dance or because of snowmen that sing. Christmas definitely isn't wonderful because of figgy pudding or moments spent under the mistletoe. Christmas is wonderful because we have been given the greatest gift of all time, a baby born in a manger. You know, when the angels made their pronouncement that night over Bethlehem so long ago, this is what they said. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This is Carol McLeod, your host, and I hope you'll join me every weekday from now until Christmas as we celebrate this season in a joyful, holy, and meaningful way. And may I just say it one more time, Merry Christmas. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. The shepherds, these men of God, darkness and coldness and hopelessness found him. They found the baby that the angels had told him about. They found him in a manger, an unexpected place, a simple place, a place that most people wouldn't look for the savior of the world. 
but he is there and he is there waiting for you this Christmas. The baby in a manger is waiting for you to discover him in a simple and unexpected place. And he's there. He's gazing at you. And you know what? He loved you the minute he laid eyes on you. You might feel like the two million people in Bethlehem, that you're too busy for him. There's no room for him in your teeming and exciting life. And yet he comes. He comes into your busyness unannounced and quietly waits for your attention. Just like Bethlehem didn't notice his arrival, neither do many of us. Not much has changed in 2,000 years, has it? Maybe, like Mary, you feel uneducated or ordinary. Maybe you feel too young. Maybe, like the shepherds, you feel too dirty and too cold and too old. But you know what? He doesn't notice because he's come into your world to banish fear and to bring joy and peace. I don't know what you think about when you think about Christmas, but I certainly hope that you think about more than pine cones and eggnog. I hope that the word Christmas will stir up more than memories of brightly wrapped gifts and bicycles under your Christmas tree. I hope that the message of Christmas is far more important than those cards that come from people that you haven't seen nor talked to in decades. You see, I know that you have heard the Christmas story hundreds of times before this time. But this time, will you believe it? Will you embrace it? Will you build your life upon it like I have? Will you believe that Jesus came for you? Jesus came into the stink and the smell and the mess of your life, and he gazes up with sheer wonder at you. Jesus comes into your busyness and says to you, peace, be still. Do you remember how Jesus came into the world of Joseph and interrupted his plans of simply marrying the girl of his dreams? Maybe Jesus has interrupted your life this year and he's changed your plans and he challenges you to believe with Mary that nothing is impossible with God. For what are you praying this Christmas season? For what are you standing in faith? I want to tell you this day that the message of Christmas has not changed over the course of 2,000 years. Just like the angel told Mary that nothing is impossible with God, that is the message that the angels of heaven speak into your life today. You've heard it before. You've heard the Christmas story before. Only this time, will you believe it? Will you believe in Christmas? The mistake that most of us make when it comes to the Christmas season is that we're distracted by the magic of the season when what is really happening is the miraculous. We're trapped by the trappings when we were meant to be set free by the presence of Jesus. 
The miracle of Christmas in your life and in my life is just one choice away. Will you choose to stay in the busy thoroughfare or will you come into the simplicity of the manger? Will you yearn for snow and gifts and ribbon candy and reindeers that dance? Or will you lift your eyes to the utter wonder and complete miracle that belongs solely to Christmas? You are loved so much by the King of Heaven that a miracle has happened for you today. Christ, the baby in the manger, has invaded your ordinary life. He has changed your well-made plans, and today he's challenging you to believe with Mary that nothing is impossible with God. You know, whenever I think about the Christmas story, my heart always goes back to the conversation that the young virgin girl had with heaven's messenger, the angel Gabriel. And after Mary had heard the plans of God and how God was involving her in the miracle that is Christmas, Mary's response was this in Luke 1, 38. And Mary said, Behold the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to to your word. Be it done to me according to your word. That is one of the most courageous statements ever recorded in the Bible. Are you brave enough to say it today? Mary preceded that phrase by saying, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. A bond slave was someone who could have gone free, who had been set free by their master, but they chose to stay and serve. Are you bold enough and courageous enough to declare that this Christmas season? Behold, God, I am your bond slave. I will stay and serve you, be it unto me according to the word of God. This is the real message of the Christmas season that we accept the word of God in our lives, that we embrace the word of God in our lives, that we submit to and bow to and obey the word of God in our lives. A miracle has happened that is so complete that all of history turns on this one singular moment in history. Divinity was joined with humanity. God, the creator of the universe, sent the darling of heaven into the dirt and manure of our lives, and nothing would ever be the same again. Heaven that day sang. And I want to tell you some good news. Heaven this day is singing over your life. Where there used to be confusion and conflict and sin, now there can be joy and peace because of Jesus. The shepherds who were once locked in by dirt and darkness and hopelessness are now worshipers. Did you see that in Luke chapter 2? That when they returned, they went back glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. See, Christmas will turn the coldest and hardest of souls 
into worshipers. What was once cold and black and hopeless is now filled up to overflowing with joy and worship. The praises were spilling out of these men. I want to tell you this day, there's nothing to be afraid of because Christ has been born. This is the miracle of the season, and it's invading your world today. I believe that Christmas reveals our true relationship with the Christ child. What do you mean by that, you might ask me? Well, we're going to discover today exactly what I mean by that thought, by that philosophy, by reading in the scripture about some men who participated in the birth of Jesus Christ, different kinds of men. And we're going to look at their hearts and see what the story of Christmas revealed inside of their hearts. Because I believe that Christmas reveals our hearts. It reveals our true relationship with that baby in the manger. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. You know, the thing about Christmas is that it attracts the attention of many different kinds of people. Many different kinds of people stop in their tracks to celebrate a season that, frankly, they don't know much about and that they don't know how to celebrate well. This is what we see in the lives of these wise men. Let me, let me tell you who these guys were. The Magi, or the wise men, specialized in astronomy, the study of the stars, and they were from the East. Now, these wise men, or Magi, were not Jews. They were pagan astrologers. They were not looking for a Messiah to come. These guys were wise in the way of secular science. They were what you and I would call today diviners or magicians. That's who these men were. And they heard about the Christ child. How many people in your life have heard about Christmas and they want to know what it's all about? They're on their way to celebrate Christmas from their own perspective, from their own point of view. You know, I just have to be frank with you about these wise men or magi. They're probably the kind of people that you and I would stay away from today. They were New Age humanists, weirdos. They were academic nuts. Let me put it this way. They probably would not be singing a solo in the Christmas Eve service at your church. And you know what's extraordinary? They said, we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. These magic men, these magicians came to King Herod saying, hey, have you heard about the newborn king? Did you know that the Jews had a new king? Have you heard about him? Do you know where this baby boy is? So King Herod was perturbed. He, he was very troubled. 
at the news that these magi brought to him this day. And so he did what any good king would do. He gathered his council around him. He gathered his wise men, his scribes and priests, to figure out what these wise men were talking about. Matthew chapter 2, verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. So he called the smartest people on his staff, the most educated and brilliant people on his team, and said, men, have you heard that there is a new king that's been born to be king of the Jews? Have you heard about it? Can you tell me where this king is? Well, this is what these learned men said to King Herod. They said to him, Matthew 2, 5, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. It's always been interesting to me that these learned men, these professional political advisors, went to the scriptures. They went to the holy scriptures to discover what the Bible said about a baby that was going to be born king of the Jews. This challenges me because how many times do I ignore the Bible when I'm trying to find something out? How many times do I Google my answer or phone a friend? Listen, all the answers to all of our questions are found in the Word of God. So these learned men said to King Herod, well, the Bible says that there will be a ruler who will come forth from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. So then what Herod did was he called a second meeting with the Magi. They apparently stayed around Jerusalem for a little while. And he said, hey guys, come here, I want to talk to you. Matthew chapter 2, 7. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact sign that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. So Herod said to the wise men, okay, be on your way. Go find the baby. This is what we know that scripture says about the birth of a king of the Jews. And when you have found him, let me know about it because just like you, I want to go and worship him. Well, let me ask you a question here. Knowing what you know about this historical figure, Herod, do you really think that Herod was going to worship baby Jesus? No, of course not. Was Herod really going to get down on bended knee to worship the baby Jesus? No. Later in the story, we find out that he wants to kill him. You see, the worship of King Herod was lip service only. And Christmas reveals inside of us precisely what our relationship with Jesus will be. Christmas reveals in us precisely what kind of worship we will give to the newborn king. 
What kind of worship are you bringing him today? What is your plan this Christmas? Are you only going to give lip service or are you going to give him whole hearted worship? Will you say that he's Lord and acknowledge his birth while acting quite a different way and having priorities that don't honor him at all? Christmas is a time in life. Christmas is a season when all the motives of our hearts are laid bare and open for the world to see. Will you align yourself with King Herod and worship him only with your mouth? Or will you be like the wise men and be on a relentless journey to discover the Christ of Christmas? Will your heart, will your voice, will your life join in the high praise that the angels offered in the first Christmas story? Only you can determine how you will worship the baby Jesus. You choose whether to let your life be lip service alone or whether your life will be a full-blown demonstration of what can happen when a man or a woman kneels at the manger. And after hearing the king, the wise men went on their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. See, this is the deal. God wants you to find the Christ child. God wants your life journey to take you to where the Christ child can be found. The Christ child is not hidden from you. It's not a riddle or a maze to get to him. But once you have announced your intentions, can you tell me where the Christ child is? Because I want to worship him. I want to truly worship him. Once you've announced the intentions of your heart, the Father will make sure that you find the Christ child. And I can tell you this, you will not find him in the trappings of Christmas. You will not find him in stacks of torn wrapping paper. You will not find him in eggnog. You will not find him in long lines at the mall, but you'll find him in a simple place. You'll find him when you search for him with all your heart. My prayer for you this Christmas season is that the life of Jesus Christ will become a living reality. My prayer for you this Christmas season is that that baby in the manger will change your life journey. But from now on, from this moment on, you will get your information and your wisdom from the God who flung the stars into place. You know, I love it how God the Father treasured these wise men. They were astronomers. They could read the stars. And what did God the Father use to lead them to the Christ child? He used a star. He used something that they knew very well. I don't know what God the Father will use in your life this Christmas season, but I can tell you, when you say, Father, I want to worship the baby in a manger, he will take you there and you will find him when you search for him. 
A star, a single brilliant star, led the wise men to the place where the baby Christ child was. Don't you love it that God used a star to guide these men who were experts in astronomy? God spoke their language, and he used a star to lead these men to the light of the world. You know, these wise men didn't need the advice or the GPS system of King Herod and his most brilliant advisors in order to find Jesus. No, they needed the intervention of God. Scripture tells us what happened in that moment when the Magi found the baby boy. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And after hearing the king, they went on their way. And the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Only six words, rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Yet what richness their brevity holds. These words, these six simple yet powerful words are some of the most expressive words in the Greek. Let's look at them one at a time so we can see exactly how the wise men responded to the baby boy. First of all, they rejoiced. I love the translation of this word rejoiced from the Greek. It means let the hope of future blessedness give you joy. And man, if that doesn't describe what Jesus does for us, I don't know what does. The hope of future blessedness. We have hope because of the baby boy. We know that blessings are going to enter our lives because of the baby boy. And those two things alone should bring us great joy. This little phrase, let the hope of future blessedness give you joy, should change all of our perspective on the future. We can look ahead, not with dread, but with joy. We can look at events that are going to challenge us and even threaten us, but we don't have to walk in fear or worry because we know a baby boy, and we have determined in our hearts to rejoice. Well, Scripture tells us that these wise men rejoiced exceedingly. Now, this word exceedingly can be defined as greatly or even violently. These first century professorial types didn't just quietly bow down at the waist with their face to the ground. They didn't just demurely nod their wizened heads. No, what these guys did is they began to jump up and down. It was a violent explosion of joy. They found that night the one thing that was truly worth living for. Do you know what these magi were doing? They were doing the John jump. They were cheering and hollering and shouting because after decades of hitting dead and roads to find meaning and purpose in life, 
they had found a reason to live. They had found the creator of this incredible universe that they so esteemed and admired. These wise men discovered the answer to all of their frustrating questions. I picture what happened that night as the wise men entered the home. And, you know, at this point in the story, the baby boy was probably more like 18 months to two years old, toddling all over the home with with droopy diapers. But when the wise men saw him, they knew who he was. You know, babies only babble, don't they? The, The baby Jesus, he couldn't speak in a learned or in an academic way. To these men, he was still talking baby talk. And yet the most brilliant minds alive at the time discerned the wisdom of the ages in a toddler's sweet babble. These men rejoiced exceedingly. Their worlds had been rocked in the presence of Jesus. You know, I think Christmas is a time that should shake us up a little bit, that should rock some things that need rocking, that should get out of the way some things that need to go. Christmas helps us set our priorities. And the wise men were setting their priorities this day. And they determined to rejoice exceedingly with great joy. Let's look at the word great for a minute. This word great means with great effort of the affections and emotions of the mind. To me, it's interesting that the definition of this word great from the Greek includes the word mind with great effort of the affections and the mind. Did you remember that the Magi were men of scrolls and cerebral intensity and books and stars? But at this moment, When the star stopped where the baby was, all they had ever learned, all they had ever studied, all they had conceived in their erudite minds paled in comparison to the baby boy. Being in the presence of the creator of the universe was such a life-altering moment that it infiltrated, that it changed the very way that they processed information. What in your life needs changing this Christmas season? Because God always goes to the heart of us. For the wise men, it was their minds. They needed to change the way they thought and processed information. For you, what is it? Do you need to change your spending habits or your eating habits or the way you treat people or your emotional preferences? Allow God to go to the heart of you this year so that he can change the way you process life. And finally, we see in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Years ago, I went on a full-blown search to find a definition in the Greek or in the Hebrew for this word joy. And it was a challenge, let me tell you, because everything I read, everything that has been written concerning a definition of this word joy contains the word joy in it. And you cannot 
define a word by using the word itself in the definition. And one day I was studying some Bible dictionaries that had belonged to my great-grandfather. And in this archaic Bible dictionary, I found such an incredible definition of this word joy that I want it to be part of your life this Christmas season. The blessedness that the Lord enjoys around the throne of God. Do you see what this word means? It means that because the baby came to planet Earth, we get to experience the same atmosphere that exists in the throne room of God himself. And the reason that these men this night were exposed to what joy is all about is because they had found him. They had found the baby Jesus in whose presence there is always fullness of joy. Verse 11, and after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. The Magi fell on their faces in the presence of Jesus. And this is what heartfelt worship looks like, my friends. It wasn't lip service that they were offering, but it was wholehearted worship. They fell on their faces and worshiped him. Did you know that true worship always requires a change of position? Worship always involves joy, and worship always involves a giving away. Worship is a meeting between God and humanity when humanity falls on its face in pure joy. You know, the mistake that most of us have made concerning Christmas is that we're distracted by the magic of the season when what is really happening is the miracle of the season. Will you model your life this Christmas after the lives of the wise men? Will you change your position? Will you fall on your face in worship? And then will you give? Because Matthew 2, 11 says, Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. These wise men didn't need guidance from the stars anymore. No, now they received their information and their guidance from God, from the king of the universe who sent his baby boy so the lives of these Magi could be changed. like to read to you a Christmas story today, written from the heart and the hand of the woman who actually experienced the story. Now, she has assured me that it's true. Every line, every word, every fact. And my prayer is this. As I read this Christmas story to you today, you'll ask yourself two questions. Am I listening for the voice of the Lord? And What can I give to someone else this Christmas season? The name of the story is Waiting, Waiting for Christmas. 
Herman and I finally locked our store and dragged ourselves home to South Caldwell Street in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was 11 p.m. Christmas Eve of 1949. We were dog tired. Ours was one of those big old general appliance stores that sold everything from refrigerators and toasters and record players to bicycles and dollhouses and games. We'd sold almost all our toys and all the layaways except one package had been picked up. Usually Herman and I kept the store open until Everything had been picked up. We knew we wouldn't have awakened very happy on Christmas morning, knowing that some little child's gift was back on the layaway shelf. But the person who had put a dollar down on that package had never reappeared. Early Christmas morning, our 12-year-old son, Tom, and Herman and I were out by the tree opening up our gifts. But I'll tell you, there was something very humdrum about this Christmas. Tom was growing up. He hadn't wanted any toys, just clothes and games. I missed his childish exuberance of past years. As soon as breakfast was over, Tom left to visit his friend next door, and Herman disappeared into the bedroom mumbling, I'm going back to sleep. There's nothing left to stay up for anyway. So there I was, alone, doing the dishes and feeling very let down. It was nearly nine o'clock, and sleet mixed with snow cut the air outside. The wind rattled our windows, and I felt grateful for the warmth of the apartment. Sure glad I don't have to go out on a day like today, I thought to myself. And then it began, something I'd never experienced before, a strange, persistent urge. Go to the store, it seemed to say. I looked at the icy sidewalk outside. That's crazy, I said to myself. I tried dismissing the thought, but it wouldn't leave me alone. Go to the store. Well, I wasn't going to go. I'd never gone to the store on Christmas Day in the 10 years we'd owned it. No one opened shop on that day. There wasn't any reason to go, and I wasn't going to. For an hour, I fought that strange feeling. Finally, I couldn't stand it any longer, and I got dressed. Herman, I said, feeling silly, I think I'll walk down to the store. Herman woke up with a start. Whatever for? What are you going to do there? Oh, I don't know, I replied lamely. There's not much to do here. I just think I'll wander down. He argued against it a little bit, but I told him that I'd be back soon. Well, go on, he grumped, but I don't see any reason for it. I put on my gray wool coat and a gray tam on my head, then my galoshes and my red scarf and gloves. Once outside, none of these garments seemed to help. The wind cut right through me. I groped my way along the mile down to 117 East Park Avenue, slipping and sliding all the way. I shivered, tucked my hands inside the pockets of my coat to keep them from freezing. I felt ridiculous. I had no business being out in that bitter chill. There was the store just ahead. The sign announced Radio Electronics Sales and Service, and the big glass windows jutted out under the sidewalk. But, but 
what in the world? In front of the store stood two little boys huddled together, one about nine and the other six. Here she comes, yelled the older one. He had his arm around the younger. See, I told you she would come, he said jubilantly. The two little children were half frozen. The younger one's face was wet with tears. But when he saw me, his eyes opened wide and his sobbing stopped. What are you two children doing out here in this freezing rain? I scolded, hurrying them into the store and turning up the heat. You should be at home on a day like this. They were poorly dressed. They had no hats or gloves, and their shoes barely held together. I rubbed their small, icy hands and got them close to the heater. We've been waiting for you, replied the older. They had been standing outside since 9 a.m., the time I normally open the store. Why were you waiting for me? I asked, astonished. My little brother Jimmy didn't get any Christmas. He touched Jimmy's shoulder. We want to buy some skates. That's what he wants. We have these three dollars. See, Miss Lady, he said, pulling the money from his pocket. I looked at the dollars in his hand. I looked at their expectant faces. And then I looked around the store. I'm sorry, I said, but we've sold almost out of everything. We, we have no skates. Then my eye caught sight of the layaway shelf with its one lone package. I tried to remember what was in it. Wait a minute, I told the boys. I walked over, picked up the package, unwrapped it, and miracle of miracles, there was a pair of skates. Jimmy reached for them. Lord, I prayed silently, please let them be his size. And miracle upon miracle, they were his size. When the older boy finished tying the laces on Jimmy's right foot and saw that the skate fit perfectly, he stood up and presented the dollars to me. No, I'm not going to take your money, I told him. I couldn't take his money. I want you to have these skates, and I want you to use your money to get some gloves for your hands. The two boys just blinked at first. Then their eyes became like saucers, and their grins stretched wide when they understood I was giving them the skates and that I didn't want their $3. What I saw in Jimmy's eyes was like a blessing. It was pure joy, and it was beautiful. My low spirits rose. After the children had warmed up, I turned down the heater, and we walked out together. As I locked the door, I turned to the older brother and said, how lucky that I happened to come along when I did. If you'd stood there much longer, you'd have frozen. But how did you boys know I would come? I wasn't prepared for his reply. His gaze was steady, and he answered me softly. I knew you would come, he said. I asked Jesus to send you. The tingles in my spine weren't from the cold. God had planned this. As we waved goodbye, I turned home to a brighter Christmas than I had left. Tom brought his friend over to our house. Herman got out of bed, and his father, Papa English, and Sister Ella came by. We had a wonderful dinner and a wonderful time. 
But the one thing that made that Christmas truly wonderful was the one thing that makes every Christmas wonderful. Jesus was there. You know, my favorite scripture at Christmas time is an interesting one. It's not a scripture about angels or shepherds or even wise men, but my favorite scripture is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And this is what it says, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. After reading this Christmas story to you today, I want to remind you and remind me that if Christmas is about nothing else, it is about giving. God the Father loved us so much that he gave his only son. He sent his world to an unappreciative recipient, and yet still the Father gave to us. I'm going to ask you to search your heart today, and I'm going to ask you to listen for God's voice. I'm going to ask you to pray with me, to pray that God would show to you today, just a few days before Christmas, who needs a gift from you, who needs your forgiveness or your presence, or maybe a baked good, or maybe a $20 bill, or maybe a phone call or a note in the mail. Who needs a gift that only you can give? We needed a gift that only the Father could give, and he gave us his son. This Christmas, will you act like the Father, and will you give a gift that only you can give? Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we are the recipients of so many gifts. Help us this next year to be more aware of what you give to us each new day. And let us be a blessing to others by giving back to them what you have given to us so freely. In your son's name I pray, amen. I hope that today's program reminded you what the heart of Christmas is truly all about. I love spending this time with you, and from my heart to yours, Merry Christmas.